I'm Bradley Richardson and I'm joined by Sarah Kelly to discuss the PRA and FCA consultations on the implementation of the CRD5 remuneration provisions in the UK. The consultations are now open until the 30th of September. The consultations are going to be key to any firms in the UK that are going to be subject to CRD5, so banking groups and dual regulated investment firms. The consultations primarily discuss the new proportionality thresholds that will apply and the amended deferral and clawback requirements. We'll come to some of that detail in a moment, but I think a key first point is that it's clear the PRA and FCA expect firms to be ready to comply with the rules from the start of their first performance period, commencing on or after the CRD5 comes into force on the 29th of December. For most firms, that's therefore going to mean needing to update remuneration policies and communicate changes uh, with effect from the start of the performance period starting 1st of January 2021. So Sarah, perhaps you can take us through some of the detail of the new proportionality thresholds which will apply. Thanks Bradley. So the UK regulators intend to use the highest proportionality threshold permitted under CRD5, below which payment in instruments and the deferral requirements can be disapplied. This higher threshold is 13 billion sterling, based on four-year average total assets. However, even where firms fall within the threshold, they can only benefit from it if they meet specified proportionality conditions. Firms that don't meet those conditions are subject to the default proportionality threshold of 4 billion sterling. The specified conditions to benefit from the higher threshold are that the institution, one, does not qualify as a large institution as defined in the capital requirements regulation, two, is subject to no or simplified recovery and resolution planning obligations under the Bank Recovery and Resolution Directive. Three, has a small trading book business, which means it has an on and off balance sheet trading book business equal to or less than both one, 5% of total assets and two, 50 million euros. And four, has a small derivatives business, which means it has both one, a total of derivative positions held with trading intent of 2% or less of total on and off balance sheet assets, and two, overall derivative positions of 5% or less of total on and off balance sheet assets. And then, in addition to these conditions, it must also be appropriate for the institution to not be required to comply with the deferral and payment in instruments rules, taking into account the nature, scope and complexity of the institution's organisation and activities and, if applicable, the characteristics of the group to which it belongs. And we presume that it will be for institutions themselves to make this judgement and be able to justify it to the regulators if asked, as is the case currently. So, Bradley, now that I've outlined how the UK regulators intend to apply the proportionality thresholds, is there anything on this that you'd like to comment on in more detail? Well, I think it is helpful for many firms that the UK is seeking to set the proportionality threshold at the highest level permitted by the European, uh, the European provision. So that's clearly a great starting point. The introduction, as required by CD5, of those new proportionality conditions you mentioned clearly adds a degree of complexity for firms, particularly those firms with um, balance sheet assets between the 4 and 13 billion uh, sterling levels. So they're going to need to look at those in quite some detail. I think there's also some questions from the drafting of, of the provisions around how it applies on a group basis and what it means for individual versus consolidated 
um, balance sheet assets and then how those things all fit together. So I think firms in groups and particularly firms where they may have institutions with individual balance sheet assets below a threshold but consolidated assets above a threshold need to look at that really carefully. And talking of complexity takes us neatly onto the second main aspect of the consultations, the new deferral and clawback periods. Today, the UK gold plates the deferral and clawback periods. So clawback periods up to 10 years, deferral up to seven years for the most senior staff. And the UK will be maintaining those provisions for those staff who fall above the current CRD4 de minimis provision. Or at least that seems to be the intent, although the, the FCA and PRA um, cons consultations actually differ on some of the detail of where that threshold of when a, a, an MRT becomes a higher earner uh, kicks in. But for those higher earning MRTs, essentially there should be no change from today, save that the minimum three-year deferral is introduced to four years as required by CRD5. And in addition, the FCA has extended the expectations on clawback periods that currently apply to PRA senior management, so that's that 10-year clawback period, and extended that to uh, staff undertaking FCA senior management functions. For staff in the middle bracket, so that's more than the de minimis threshold under CRD5, which is €50,000, and this new higher earner threshold, those staff are going to be subjected to the minimum European required deferral and clawback requirements, but without the UK gold blading. That principle, you know, therefore seems helpful, but Sarah, you know, do, do you think that's going to work well in practice? Well, it, it's an interesting question, and Whilst on the one hand, I agree that it's helpful not to extend the gold-plated requirements to MRTs who are currently de minimis under the CRD4 regime. On the other hand, I think that what we're left with, particularly with the moving between the UK and EU requirements, depending on what an individual earns, is a very complex regime which could be hard for firms to apply in practice. What's more, if firms try to simplify the regime by levelling up the requirements applicable to some staff, which is noted as a possibility by the FCA, insofar as they apply longer deferral and retention periods, those firms will also have to extend the minimum clawback period accordingly, which is something that they may be less willing to do. Finally, another point firms should be aware of is that under the new regime, the difference of moving above the higher earner threshold will, for some staff, be very significant. For example, changing a one-year clawback period on non-deferred pay to a period of up to 10 years. So that's something that firms will need to manage. Absolutely. So that covers the main aspects of the consultations. The new proportionality thresholds, which firms, and particularly maybe the smaller banking institutions and challenger banks and the like, are going to have to look at very carefully. And the new deferral and um, clawback requirements that are going to apply for staff, particularly staff in that middle bracket between um, the new de minimis principle and the current de minimis levels. But Sarah, are there any other aspects of the, of the remuneration rules which the consultations touch on? Yes, so there's a couple of other points worth mentioning. Firstly, just a reminder of some of the more onerous provisions under CRD5, which are referred to in these consultations given that they'll be enforced in the UK. So, namely, the fact that the bonus cap and malice and clawback will apply to all firms and MRTs, regardless of size or level of remuneration. Secondly, the consultations confirm that firms will be able to use share-linked instruments, rather than shares, 
to make up the 50% or more portion of variable remuneration that they need to pay in non-cash. Thirdly, consistent with the recent HM Treasury consultation, the requirement to operate gender-neutral remuneration policies is defined in the SCA consultation by reference to equal pay for equal work and the avoidance of discrimination, which is in line with current UK legal requirements. In their consultation, the FCA also confirms that it does not intend to introduce a new gender pay gap reporting regime to cover the requirements on this under CRD5, on the basis that those requirements are already met by the existing UK gender pay gap reporting regime. And then finally, the UK regulators confirm in these consultations their intention as of 1st of January 2021 to have converted from euros to sterling the proportionality thresholds and thresholds relevant to the identification of MRTs. And proposed sterling thresholds are actually included in these consultations. Thanks, Sarah. And indeed, thanks to all our listeners, as that brings us to the end of our podcast. We hope you found it useful and obviously we'd be delighted to speak to you about this in more detail. Thanks also from me. And as Bradley says, please do feel free to get in touch. Goodbye.